0: Sisters, the Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, o Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He takes away every branch in me that does not bear fruit, and every one that does, he prunes so that it can bear more fruit. You are already pruned because of the word that I spoke to you. Remain in me as I remain in you. Just as a branch cannot bear fruit on its own unless it remains on the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever remains in me and I in him will bear much fruit, because without me you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me will be thrown out like a branch and wither. People will gather them, and throw them into a fire, and they will be burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask for whatever you want. It will be done for you. By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. The Gospel of the Lord. People often tell me that I should write a book, especially about my experiences working in campus ministry with college students. For sure, after almost 14 years, it's never boring, routine, or predictable. And one chapter of that book, or at least one chapter, would have to be dedicated to my time being an advisor for one of the local fraternities here at Montclair State, meaning its only chapter is here, and it's been for over 80 years. When I first arrived to campus, this group had been banned for life, or as the Vice President for Student Life at the time put it, over my dead body will they ever come back to campus and most of you who know uh, Dr. Pennington know that she was rarely into hyperbole. (laughs) And the antics that caused such bold condemnation, which in fairness happened about 10 years earlier, were to the extreme of stupidity. I never knew how true to life the 1980s film Animal House was, but it's pretty close to what was going on. Unbeknownst to me, my first year here at MSU, a group of students had reconstituted this fraternity as an underground fraternity. Even more unbeknownst, it turned out five of the eight guys involved were highly active in Newman, including the president of our student leadership of our e-board at the time. So one afternoon, this same leader called me up and said, Father Jim, I have something to tell you. Now, history telling myself to prepare myself and to brace myself for the worst when someone begins a conversation like that. I wasn't sure what he was going to say next and he says, "I'm in a fraternity." I kind of laughed. I'm like, "That's it? That's the big news?" I mean, not for nothing. That's not a big deal unless you're like a Mason or like some anti-Catholic group. And he was very declarative because, "Absolutely not, Father Jim. In fact, all the guys that are in it come to mass every Sunday. You know them all." I'm like, all right, what's the big deal? Why should I be upset about this? I mean, you're in the paintball club too and you didn't think that you had to call me about that. I don't understand what the big deal was. And he's like, I knew you'd be cool with this. I knew you would be fine. It's fine. I'm like, all right, and I hang up my phone. Seriously, not even imagining this was a big deal. Following morning, the Montclairian, when it used to print their paper, the college newspaper had a front page investigative report about a secret underground fraternity that had been reconstituted in violation of the university's ban of this group, which had been tipped off when they discovered one of the rocks, you know, all the rocks on campus that they have for all the different organizations. Well, they found one in the woods, because they thought no one would find it, that was painted and decorated, and these geniuses put the, the name of the fraternity on it, and. Boldly put all their names on it, including our president, whose name was front and center on the front page of the paper, in color as well. As I'm reading this article, I realized that my little friend had left a few details out on the phone. Long story short, because seriously, this could go many, many chapters, eventually, I became intertwined as a mediator between these young men, these brilliant young men and a none too happy university. And we came up with a triple non-secretive probation process. I was their advisor and I was told they're all yours. And remember Dr. Frankenstein, you're responsible for the monster, which I thought was kind of unfair and put a lot of pressure on me. We went through a four-year process to get them back into good standing, which they did. They worked really hard. They were incredibly dedicated. They did all kinds of community service. They reached out to alumni. They were outgoing. They did this great outreach, and within four years, they had been completely returned to good standing and were even named Fraternity of the Year, which is what makes the fact that four years later that they were completely out of commission and gone inactive somewhat stunning, not to mention somewhat sad not because of any bad behavior this time, but no behavior, (laughs) no new members, no intake process, which didn't just happen because of COVID. The two years prior to this, they were already on life support when they basically had two members left and they were basically holding every title known to the group. So you had a president, treasurer, pledge master, and a vice president, secretary, intake coordinator. They tried, but it fizzled out into basically nothing. And there's a lot of reasons that that's the case. And there's a lot of reasons that seems to happen to all kinds of groups. There's a reason why there's a time limit to even the the strongest of institutions, the most popular brands or companies, the most powerful of empires and governments, because it's constituted by broken, imperfect human beings. At some point, all these human enterprises come to an end because they're human. So despite the desire in the heart of hearts of these guys who reconstituted their fraternity and all the ones who followed after them, because it was built on their own initiative, like everything else in this transitory world of ours, it has a shelf life. Which is why that we're here tonight in this space is amazing in itself that 2000 plus years from when this gospel first took place, when Jesus first gathered in that upper room on a holy Thursday night for what was the last supper with his, his newly ordained priests, his apostles, that we would be here continuing what he instituted that night in his command and his memory of him, gathering for his body and blood in the Eucharist is nothing short of miraculous. Because as messed up as the church has been at times throughout history, as it sadly continues to be in our day and age, and most likely will be moving forward, there's a reason that we imperfect, broken human beings have been unable to destroy the church despite our best attempts, which is the heart of this gospel message tonight. Jesus makes it clear he is the source. He is the center, he is the life of the church. He founded this church that night of the Last Supper and has promise to remain completely intertwined in the existence of the church and all who have a desire to be a part of him. That image of divine and branches is so powerful and it's so perfect because you can see dead branches, you can see fruitful branches, you see the entirety of the growth, and you can appreciate the, the mystery of the individual branches all being connected and grown by being connected to that vine, which is under the providence of, of God's creation in which seeds and soil and water and light and air all come together under his divine design to produce this growth. But that's not to say that we don't have choices or a role to play. Yes, we're still here. But we can't deny the reality that some of the branches aren't producing the best of grapes. Some of the branches have a, a loose, frayed connection. Some of the branches seem to have been cut off from the vine. Some are cut off. And that affects the entirety of the church, and it affects us as well. But the promise and the reality that we've seen for over two millennia is that despite whatever challenge or difficulty or scandal that rocked the very human elements of the church, Jesus remained and remains faithful with those who remain rooted in him. Those branches were able to not just withstand all those challenges, but to save and renew the church as well as the world around it. For us in 2021, 14 months since the global pandemic first happened and all the crazy lockdowns and mandates that upended our lives. After all sorts of chaos and tension that's left a lot of people very unsettled, the lack of trust that people have for one another, for institutions, for leaders, seems to be at sky high across the board. It's an overused saying to say that we're living in historic and unprecedented times, but it feels more appropriate now more than ever to say that. So that we've made it here tonight, even with that fog of confusion still not lifting, is a great thing. But it's up to us to remain vigilant, to remain rooted to Jesus Christ, to recognize the importance of Jesus' life and love flowing from these sacraments, especially as we receive the Eucharist at Mass and experience his forgiveness and confession where he becomes real and present in our midst and even more importantly in our lives. May we continue to choose to remain rooted and connected to him, experiencing the fullness of life and the glory of the Father.